0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. It's a very difficult URL to remember. It's the the name of the show. That is the name of the website. It's .com, not .org, or .net. Net. Or the the other ones. There's like a million now, because TLDs Mm. are, are different. Anyway... Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is a horror podcast. We will be talking about horror things which could involve sensitive subjects such as child abuse, F-bombs, R-bombs. We'll, we'll talk about bad stuff, but we might not talk about bad stuff because we don't always talk about bad stuff. But there's a the chance that we talk about bad stuff, so we have to do this bad stuff. So if trigger you don't pres- like bad stuff. Go away. <laughs> 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 and with the fun part out of the way, actually, mm-hmm. well, it was kind of fun. Uh, Steve, what do we got coming up?
1: Oh, lots of stuff. I think we are still up to having 12 people on the guest list, so not going to go through all of that, Um, but we are doing listen parties and drawing parties on Discord, uh, drawing parties for Whitman's webcomic pieces, uh, which is a horror-themed webcomic, and I've got my book, uh, A Guide to the Recovery Toolbox, which you can get on Amazon and Smashwords and Lulu and all kinds of different places like that. But um, today, we are talking to Mr. Ethan Richards, who is the author of Call Lake and the Dark Lord of Oklahoma. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Welcome to the show. Before we get into the meat of the interview, you want to let us know what you're currently working on?
2: Uh, Yes. Um, So, I recently had a book come out uh, in uh, uh, September titled *Methgator*. Uh, nice. So that's that. I've, I've been uh, working the marketing with that. Uh, my my publisher is Primal Publishing. I, it's been a blast working with them. I have uh, Dark Lord of Oklahoma and its sequel, Dark Elf of Oklahoma, <laughs> and then I am working to finish that trilogy this year, or, or in the cool. next year or two as well.
0: Okay. Does the uh, does the Dark Elf of Oklahoma have a large black cat with him by any chance?
2: Uh no, unfortunately.
1: Okay, so it's not Dritz. Alright, all right. Oh, I was thinking like, like Orco and Battle oh. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Wasn't it Dritz Rorden? Or, or no, no, he wasn't yeah, even Dritz Darkos. Jordan, he's got the uh the Panther with him.
0: Quinnavar, yeah. I I know of D D things, but I have never played because I I'm
1: He's a Warhammer. Yeah. I like
0: the, <laughs> That's uh, why. <laughs> I like big spaceships and planet killing lasers, you know what's what's wrong hmm. with that?
1: different flavors yes all right so i don't know how much of the uh theme of the interview that we discussed uh beforehand so just quickly uh basically what we do is we ask about your love of horror through your childhood teenage years adulthood and then talk about any common themes that have cropped up and uh we might ask some deeper questions than you might be used to, but it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if you don't want to answer something, just hit pass and we'll move on. And not every question is necessarily going to land. <clears throat> sometimes you ask stuff and they're like, just ah. uh, mm-hmm. but you don't know in, until you ask. So yeah. we ask yeah. some some weird questions sometimes. Um, right. But uh, that being said, starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things?
2: Okay. Uh, so this is kind of interesting. At the, the cover of Meth Gator, the dedication it says, if you grew up watching Monster Vision with your dad, or if you've got memories of watching Monster Vision with your dad, this book is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, like uh, there's a, a big influence from the uh, those type of horror films, the kaiju horror films. Uh, but okay. some of my earliest memories, actually, um, when I was in kindergarten, I remember watching Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and Lon Cheney wow. Jr. And uh, the first kind of scary movie I watched was uh Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman with mm-hmm. my dad on a the, the earliest that I can remember is Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman with my dad on a on a Sunday evening. So that was that was a lot of fun. And uh my last book, Methgator, has a lot of nods actually to Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman or some nice. nods to it. Nice. Cool. Anything else uh, jump out to you
1: from those early
2: years? Um let me see. So Um, then, so those are the early years you can uh, clearly see. I was a big Godzilla fan Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, kind of what I wanted to do kind of explore with my other two, uh, novels is, um, uh, kaiju elements in like, what if you set kaiju elements in, uh, in a small town, like Oklahoma, a small town across Oklahoma. So that's, that's what I wanted to explore with that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I've scaled it down with I, I've scaled it down. So my, my monsters aren't like 400 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So it's more like, 20 to 30 feet tall and like how would people that actually makes that?
1: more sense because i started laughing thinking to myself there's not much in oklahoma to destroy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right like a 400 400 foot tall monster it'd just be like smash okay we're done here
0: yeah and you'd be able to see it coming from a mile away literally <laughs> like it's oh yeah, it's over there
1: <laughs> what the hell is that thing
2: <laughs> um
1: uh sorry you were gonna say
2: Oh uh, yeah and then um so that was that was my earliest memory. Okay. Uh, and then when I was in the 8th grade uh I remember uh American movie classic had uh the 1986 version of the Fly on. Nice. And okay. that one has really stuck with me uh because my parents didn't want me to watch it. Cause obviously that's a really gross movie. So like I had to sneak around to watch it. So like, I feel like I've earned that movie more than any other, like, you know what I mean? It was like, it had to like do some clandestine operations to watch all of, uh, Seth Brundle's transformation from a healthy living scientist to the, to Brundlefly at the end. And then, uh, another influence that you'd see in my work that I, I really liked, is Jeepers Creepers? Obviously, there's the controversy of the creator of that series, but in terms of Jeepers Creepers, I loved that one. Like, really scared me when I, I saw it. That's uh, like one of the the last times I got so scared of a movie that I was like looking over my back. <laughs> uh, so, and the other thing that I I love about horror is uh, like I've seen this map of uh, superheroes on like where they're located. And if you look at superheroes, they're all located uh, on the east and west coast, with the exception of the Flash, located in Central City. And I, I know I kind of sound like a dork uh, saying all that, but like ge- uh, geographically, that's where they're located. But what I love about horror is horror is cool because it is everywhere.
0: Yeah, it can happen anywhere.
2: Yeah, and I know Maine is still on the east coast, but... Uh, Stephen King when he wrote Salem's Lot he was talking to his wife they were talking about what would Dracula look, look like in Brooklyn and his wife said well mm. he'd probably get hit by a car when he, <laughs> you know, he uh, <laughs> stepped down the road so uh-huh. from there they're like okay uh, he said it in Maine mm. so Maine's obviously east coast but like May- well, Maine's like that, to me that's like a easy I ha, I've never been to Maine, but I I've read some about it. That seems like that it's as an easy uh location for a lot of really interesting
0: Oh absolutely. I mean, you know, you got you got the whole uh Miskatonic
1: thing with HP Lovecraft. It's yeah, close to Maine, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's also easy because it's his backyard, so he knows
2: the place. Yeah, yeah
1: too. Write <laughs> what you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh did you participate in Halloween when you were a kid?
2: Yep. And uh so I, I had a lot of fun with Halloween it's so different now, because now not everybody does Halloween, but I remember uh, myself, uh, Michael Morgan, and Cameron Wagerman, like, I remember us walking what seemed like miles, uh, going on our bikes and just going door-to-door, so that that was a lot of fun, uh, always dressed up as uh, scary stuff. Did you have a favorite costume? In, when I was seven or eight years old, I... Uh, Dressed up as the Terminator, so it had a flashing red eye, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a really good, uh, really good uh, costume. Nice. Did you have a least favorite costume? Um,
1: if not, that's fine. No, I uh,
2: I I think like one time for college, I had like a last second thing where I dressed up with sunglasses and like a suit and tie, and that was. Kind of silly, but Mm-mm. like I'm a businessman. Yeah, of, of the '80s. Yeah,
0: here's some cocaine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh. uh, I, I think that's like the the most boring thing I've done. <laughs> okay,
1: so you liked it because it just was boring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Jody scary dreams, kid? There you go.
2: Okay, so this is kind of funny. Uh for the longest time I've had two reoccurring nightmares and that's okay. the Jeepers Creeper's uh the creeper from that, the unstoppable mm-hmm. antagonist, which I in Dark Elf Oklahoma, the Dark Elf is inspired by the Creeper where he, I, I wanted him to be like the Creeper, Terminator, or Godzilla, where unstoppable antagonist. And oh, I, I hope it. I did that. So but I've had the the creeper chasing me around in my dreams since I was like sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I've had some body horror dreams uh, related to Brundle Fly and The Fly as well. Okay. So
0: it's like they had a a early, very uh, effective influence on you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was there ever a time in real life that you were terrified as a child?
2: I think. Okay. Remember, uh, so I I graduated high school in 2005. And uh, so in the early 90s, they always talked about stranger danger. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So one time, I think a lady thought that I was someone else she knew, uh, like another kid that she knew, and she invited me over for dinner. And that Mm -hmm that terrified me because I was thinking stranger danger the whole time. So <laughs> I, yeah. Like, what, what, what kind of dinner are we talking about? Am, am I the dinner? Yeah. And it was, it was just cause she was a stranger and she was talking to me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Probably totally innocent, but yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. Should, yeah. I don't know you.
1: <laughs> uh Let's see. Flipping that question around. Was there ever a time in your childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss?
2: Oh uh Yeah. I had a really close relationship with my grandparents so i don't ever remember being scared there which is saying something because well i i take that back uh sometimes it was kind of scary because i was a little kid and they uh, both of them lived out um lived out of town but Mm -hmm. around my grandparents i felt very safe and around my my parents so i i have felt uh bliss around them quite a bit okay so you had
1: brought up uh, jeepers creepers um and this un- unstoppable unstoppable antagonist i actually did want to ask you about that movie and what scared you is that is that the thing that scared you the most about that movie
2: uh yes and i love obviously like there's the there's the controversy with victor salva uh which i uh, you know uh but i loved everything about that movie it was like the slow reveal and then um the thing uh, uh i think it's halfway point when you see the the monster's wing and i should have said spoil alert but you see Mm -hmm. his wing pop up. it's been long enough now
0: yeah Yeah. i love that scene she hits him with a truck and all of a sudden it's like yeah i mean there's no allusion or or alluding to that at all in the beginning of the story just all of a sudden like uh if i may steal a phrase from recent star wars films they fly now yeah Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. That, oh man, that was so good. And, but the thing that I love about Jeepers Creepers, one thing I want to point out is it's scary in the daylight. So when they drive yeah. by the church and they see him dumping bodies in broad daylight, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. getting anxious about that. And then um, immediately they have that truck chasing them, but that was all in the daylight. So mm-hmm. that Automatically builds tension to where you know the night is coming, and you know that it's going to be terrifying. Right, like it's it's scary now. It's it's about to get even worse. Because yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's a thing I hear commonly in in horror that is very effective is just uh setting things in in daytime because it leaks the terror into that realm where you think you're safe.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: What about Frankenstein uh, meets Wolfman?
2: I just remember that being really cool, Mm. Mm. but I. I actually went back and rewatched parts of that when I was writing Methgator, and I loved an evil scientist, a mad scientist, especially nowadays. When, uh, like if you tied, I've tried to tie mad scientists like with uh, the tech gurus or or something like that when I write because mm-hmm. that would be really creepy. So like, yeah, it e- would, yeah, an evil version of Mark Zuckerberg or an evil right. version of Elon Musk. Uh, I mean, eviler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, and that's what I, I kind of wanted to explore, um, with that. And then in meth Gator, I hope I wasn't too over the top, but like, uh, they're trying to do, uh, two characters are trying to do a blood transfusion from, uh, uh from one person to the other, exactly like that scene from Frankenstein, uh, meets the Wolfman, and then they've got Tesla coils going all over the place. And then, of course, yeah, there's Tesla, co- yeah Tesla coils are always great.
1: Uh, and Godzilla, did you have a favorite Godzilla
2: movie? Oh, man. Uh, yes. So for the longest time, my favorite one was Godzilla 1985, which that one's really interesting to talk about because the way that I saw it has not been rela- re- released on DVD. Hmm. So you can get Godzilla Returns or Godzilla nineteen 84 is what i believe sometimes called but that's entirely the japanese version the raymond mm-hmm. burr version is only available on vhs and not available on dvd so mm-hmm. that was for the longest time that was my my favorite one and then um the the most recent one uh shin godzilla mm-hmm. I, i've worked in uh, government for a, a few years now and i love the fact that 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 is a horror movie that makes staff work kind of interesting <laughs> yeah, like, it kind of does yeah it, it's 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 really funny uh, that way but like i love i also love that aspect of it because i think it would be kind of cool to use horror uh movies to kind of explore some uh, and this will sound kind of funny but uh, Stephen King actually talks about it on in his book on writing uh, how people are always interested in jobs and like I would love to kind of explore like park rangers uh, and I'm in I live in Texas and we have uh, park police I would love to explore and I I am with one of my novels uh, explore like how would a, a park ranger or park police officer how would they respond to a monster out in the woods like mm-hmm. what they and so, yeah, it's an angle
0: you don't really hear about too often. Like, I guess security guard has been done, and yeah, but just that it, it kind of brings it close to home when you, uh, when you write just general day to day
1: occupation in your horror like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you said Shin Godzilla makes staff work interesting, what did you mean by that? Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So, I, I, uh, I, I've been a military officer since, uh, 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 since I was 23 years old, 2009. I've done, a lot of time on staff. So staff is where you sit behind the computer and you do an analysis. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about Shin Godzilla is you see those guys uh, sitting behind the computer and working and talking side by side. Mm -hmm. And then in the very end, when they come up with their plan, I can't remember what it is, but when they start spraying stuff in his mouth, uh, like they've had this whole plan determined. And the other thing that I love is in staff work, like everyone wants everything to look really pretty, but at the end of that movie, they're like, okay, this isn't pretty, get out all the weirdos mm-hmm. and they're going to solve this problem for us. So like you literally, and that, that's something else that's really interesting is like all the people who don't care about having their boots polished, uh, are the kind of the heroes in Shin Godzilla because mm-hmm. they're out there and they think uh they think about things different and they're the ones that come up with the, the way to defeat, uh, Godzilla. Okay uh
1: when you mentioned the raymond burr version of godzilla 1985 what was different about that that you liked
2: i i really like the the tension i and it is in the uh the japanese version as well but the raymond burr he kind of like obviously there's the translation but he kind of conceptualized it a little bit easier for me as an american to understand 'Cause he he uh he brought the American perspective. And so the uh when you're watching it, you can kind of relate to him. Uh and he he had the same role in the original uh Godzilla. Okay. So it's kind of like a I would almost say like a cultural translation. So he's the guy who, like you can kind of relate to as an American. And then the other thing that's really interesting that I always love to explore and I try to explore in my writing is second and third order effects. In Godzilla, what's happening between the U.S. and Russia when a giant monster attacks Japan? Mm-hmm. So there's a huge subplot, and there's uh, I'm not sure if if you guys are uh, have ever sat down and, and and researched all the Godzilla stuff, but that movie is kind of controversial because in the Japanese version. The Russians accidentally fire a missile into the air mm-hmm. and in the American version, uh, that was the height of the Cold War and they make the Russians the bad guy and they fire a uh, a nuke at um, Japan and then the US shoots up a uh, anti-ballistic uh, missile, their air defense artillery, and it knocks down the nuke. So then there's a nuclear cloud in the air and that that wakes Godzilla up. But it, it, that, that's kind of cool is the um uh, mm-hmm. one there is controversy about it so that's that's fun to research. And then um so I'm I'm like everybody else, uh, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. I, I I try and listen to the the audiobook of Lord of the Rings like once a year. Nice. And one thing that kind of gets explored there but you don't really see it in the movie and you kind of forget about is that Sauron, he's kind of like a, uh, an HP Lovecraft character because Sauron also wants to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's not entirely explored, but like my first two novels, dark Lord of Oklahoma and dark elf of Oklahoma, I wanted to explore that. And uh, when I present my Sauron like character, I use kind of the HP Lovecraft influence where, uh, there's a cult of people that worship uh, my my Dark Lord of Oklahoma. So there's like a church that's been gutted and remade uh, for human sacrifices and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, and so like I, I just like that's what I, I I think is cool about horror is like there's going to be second and third order effects. Like if if there was someone like Superman, there would naturally be a cult that would be like, hey, we need to worship Superman. It wouldn't be like even the boys or one of the more realistic mm-hmm. ones. I think that, and you see that in the, the death of Superman, uh, kind of story arc a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I
0: read the whole thing. It's been a while, but was there a cult that followed him after his death? I wonder,
2: well, there was a cult that like was fighting that, uh, followed the cyborg and then followed the eradicator.
0: Oh, Okay. I didn't know they had followings. That's yeah terrifying because they are both terrible individuals.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I kind of like guilty pleasure. I, I kind of like the eradicator. He was like the punisher in Superman in one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and he had a really cool suit. That was my, yeah, yeah. my, I, I remember reading uh, that comic book series with my dad and yep. the, the suit was awesome.
1: Nice uh next two questions i'm going to ask are also a pair i'm going to start with the uh more difficult one first and so we can end on the uh, the positive one but do you remember the first person you hurt
2: um no okay. like I, I was i was a boy so i was i was out <laughs> playing in the woods mm-hmm. uh or, so no i i i can't remember the first person but okay that's fine. Do you remember the first person you helped? Probably the earliest memory. I I remember uh, visiting my great grandfather and um, they were trying to get him up out of his seat. And I, I helped, I, I gently pushed on his back as he was trying to stand up. <laughs> so like that was me thinking I was helping, but probably wasn't. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. No, you-, you thought you were helping. That counts. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Excuse me
1: moving into uh teen years what were some of the scary stories or books or movies that influenced you during during your teenage years
2: well i i already said uh seth uh the fly and jeepers creepers and like this is how obsessed i am with the fly is i i think i've watched that almost every year at least since 2015 i watched that once a year mm-hmm. and then uh jeepers creepers i i probably watched that at least once a year or two I've I've watched Jeepers Creepers multiple times, not enough to where I have it line by line, but those were the main two horror movies uh, that scared me as a kid. Uh, I do remember watching uh, Friday the Thirteenth on TBS. Which one? There are many. Well, all of them. So they had a uh, yeah, they had um, a a marathon going on.
0: Yeah, as you do.
2: Yeah, and so I I started with uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, The first one, and then I watched all the way through. uh, I I don't think it was in one sitting, but Mm -hmm. I watched one, two, and three. I was like the second one probably the most because that's when he had the sack head uh, looking thing. and I I thought that was really cool. And then the third one, obviously, he gets the uh, hockey mask. The fourth one, yeah. And then the the fourth one, uh, that's – it's – been a while since i've watched that one but i i've heard a lot of people talk about that how important that one was fourth one was the one with the uh, cory felden where
0: he where he made the masks right yeah
2: yeah yeah and and then the fifth one like they said so the fourth one is like supposed to be really dark and then the fifth one uh is kind of silly and it's like comedy yeah. horror at, at points and then um of that, Kane Hodder shows up in the seventh one, and I actually uh, was able to get Tina uh, Tina Shepard—that's her fictional name—but uh, Lars Par Lincoln, I was able to, uh, Lars Par Lincoln, I was able to get her to uh, write a, a review of my my book Meth Gator. So That's I was awesome. Yeah, I was really excited about, uh, but I was terrified watching those for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I watched them when I was like 12 years old. So not, not, well, no, maybe I was 13 at the time, but I remember being terrified by Jason, the uh, Jason Voorhees. I mean, they're appropriate. They do a good job at it. Yeah. Uh,
1: The fly. What did you like about the fly?
2: Oh man. Uh, okay. So, uh, multiple things like so many things. Y- yes. Such good uh, film, you know? Yeah. First off, you got the score by Howard Shore, Howard Shore, is most famous for Lord of the Rings. Uh, but he also did the theme to silence of the lambs. And so I love the fact that instead of going with like uh synth wave or anything like that, which they could have done. And I, I think other people it might have worked. been, yeah, it, it could have worked, but like, I really think that classical, uh, score is, is really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like reminiscent
0: of the Hellraiser score. It's just, just, it got that orchestral feeling to it, you know?
2: Yeah. And so, first, I I love the music. Uh, Then, it's kind of funny because the way it's kind of marketed is it's this slow transition. And it is a slow transition, but that story has a breakneck pace. And it goes from point A, point B, and it just goes bam, bam, bam. Uh, So, like, every scene leads into the other, to the next scene. And the scenes are kind of short. And I try to write that way. I've kind of gotten in trouble for writing that way because... Uh, I write short scenes, but I have multiple characters. And the thing that I, I learned from uh, David Cronenberg is he was able to make that masterpiece with three characters. Uh, and like, I'm so jealous of that because like, huh? Yeah. There's three characters. Like there's, you're right. Yeah.
0: It's Seth is Gina Davis. Yeah. And Ronnie. her douchebag boyfriend. That, yeah. that is it. Stathis. Stathis.
2: Yeah. And like in terms of speaking lines, I think there might be, might be seven people. Oh, there's yeah. I think speaking lines, seven people. Hmm. So I wish I could write something like that, but, um, I've heard, uh, what is it? Uh, there was a quote about writing that said, I'm sorry, I couldn't write you, uh, something shorter. So a long letter will have to do Samuel mm-hmm. Clemens. Yeah, man, that's a great line. Mm-hmm. And, um, so like I always have way too many characters and that's kind of the complaint but I I was obviously influenced by uh Lord of the Rings Writing
1: writing is easy editing is the hard part. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and then and, like in and, in leadership we learn 3 to 5 is the best span of control and I think that kind of like if you have less than three people underneath you, you're going to micromanage. And if you have six or more, you're going to kind of be lost. And like, you can see that, uh, David Cronenberg was really able to develop that because he had a, and again, I know I sound nerdy saying this, but he had a really good span of control over those characters. He had those three characters. So, um, and then I'm a guy. So I like my wife said, it's not a romantic story, but I thought it was a romantic story. Between uh Seth and Ronnie. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah.
1: Friday the thirteenth. Unstoppable antagonist is a phrase that you had used earlier in this call. I'm guessing that was probably also the reason that you like Jason. Or is there yeah. something else to it?
2: Yeah. He he just keeps on going and I would love to be able to explore like slashers are really simple and it it's funny, like Halloween. I think that came out in nineteen seventy nine when they talk about that franchise they said hey that was lightning in a bottle and like mm-hmm. in terms of like the box office that he had i i can't remember they made it for like less than a million dollars and it's grown into one of the most popular franchises ever yeah. and you know like i understand like how powerful movies are and how powerful those uh uh, the fan bases are but i i don't think anyone is ever expecting any of the halloween movies to be as good as the original
0: mm, pretty much yeah so like i, I would agree
2: yeah, yeah they're all uh slashers are all really simple but i would love to like kind of explore that like and i i try to do that a little bit in the dark elf of oklahoma but i think that might be a little bit much because i i don't um when i write wrote dark lord of oklahoma I basically want to have Lord of the Rings and set it in uh, modern-day Oklahoma, but I didn't want everything to like be a copy and paste of Lord of the Rings. So the, the Nazgul in Lord of the Rings um, that are the silent synonym Well, I mean, they talk in Lord of the Rings, but mm. they're the... They're lieutenants for the Dark Lord for Sauron. I, I changed those out. And in my story, my Dark Lord, his uh, his sentinels or his lieutenants are slashers. So they're, um, I wanted to have like, and then I, I like sketched out like now Freddy talks, but Jason, Michael Myers, uh, Leatherface, Hatchet, they're silent. Uh, they've been trained as a child. You wouldn't call them serial killers because. That doesn't fit. They don't
0: have an MO. They're more of like a
2: continued spree killers. Yeah. So instead of the Nazgul or the Ring Race, I have slashers that uh, are the lieutenants to the Dark Lord. And uh, they all have motorcycles. They are like <laughs> chopper style <laughs> nice.
1: motorcycles. They're steeds.
2: Yeah. Hmm. It's so clever, but so simple. Like I, Mm. like sometimes I'll, I think everybody that's a a creative person, like looks at Halloween and it's just like, man, I'm, I'm jealous of how Hmm. he was so effective. And then the other thing is if you really look at it, he had studied a lot of those Italian giallo films. Hmm. So he was writing what he knew. Uh, So like, it wasn't, It wasn't luck like it was very simple, but he knew exactly where to put the characters, how to put the characters. So it's it's really interesting.
0: You're right, though. He did have a lot of uh, less is more style in uh, especially the original Halloween. Yeah. In recent revisitings or or, like documentaries or research on the film, a lot of people have been pointing out how Michael Myers is actually hidden in plain sight in a lot of the film in a lot of the scenes. So. Yeah, Carpenter, uh, he put some thought into the whole process
1: there.
2: Yeah. And then his favorite, mm-hmm. what's that? That was
1: going to ask a question, but you wanted to say something?
2: Oh, uh, and then you, uh, now, I like I said, I, I usually like the full orchestral music, but he goes mm-hmm. with the synth music. And I, I can't remember his uh, time signature. Oh, yeah, it was four fives, I think. Yeah. Or five four. Five four. And they said that like is so weird, and and that's another thing is like I'm really curious. Like I don't know how you could ever research that, but like how many movies wouldn't have been as effective without good music? And you know, like Friday the Thirteenth, that was written very low budget, but that's got uh, that's got a very signature sound to it as as well with the it does. But you know, uh, other than the
0: chit chat mm-hmm. I revisited the uh, the series again recently cuz we had a Friday the 13th. I made it as far as 6 and um yeah, and watching like the first two especially, I'm like you guys just straight up ripped off the psycho soundtrack cuz there's a <laughs> lot of strings and and sharp strings and there's even a part where it's slightly different but it's the knee nee here yeah like yeah, this Every, is very,
1: everybody was doing that for a while. I think so. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think it was very common in a lot of horror
1: movies. It's funny you brought up the 5-4 time signature because Chris and I are also uh, sort of amateur musicians, and we're actually the ones who wrote the intro and outro for our podcast, and it's in 5-4. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. It is in
1: 5-4. Yes.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. I was going to say, and I've written a song in 5-4, yes. but I've, I, that one was also in 5-4. Yes. Yeah. Like you, non, like uh, non-conventional time signatures. They're same.
1: Fun. Same. Do you did you have a favorite costume uh Halloween costume in your teens?
2: Uh in my teens, I really didn't uh do Halloween in my teens. Okay. Um, yeah, Not uncommon. Yeah. Uh which like is is unfortunate now. It's like it's and being a teenager is weird because like there's like so much uh going on. In fact, like I think they said like if you analyze the brain of a teenager is a 12 year old in some ways is more prepubescent kid like 12 years old is in some ways more rational than mm-hmm. a teenager because of the hormones so mm, i absolutely. saw yeah i saw the trick-or-treating is like a kid's thing and i was like oh man i i am I'm, I'm too big to go trick-or-treating and i actually mm-hmm. remember because i was about six feet tall a little under six feet tall I, i'm I, I'm still under, I was 5'11 uh, since the 7th grade and I was like, oh, I'm going to scare people if I go door to door dressed up like mm. this and, you know, so like I thought I was like too cool for school and now it's like, mm. man I, I that, that's, you know like, now like regrets. adults cosplay, yes, uh, so yeah, there there's plenty of regrets. Did
1: you have any really scary dreams as a team?
2: Mainly just the uh, reoccurring uh, Jeepers Creepers uh, yeah. coming after me. And some of the the body horror stuff.
1: Uh, anything in real life terrify you as a teen? I
2: I won't go into the details, but I I got into a fight where I got beat up kind of bad, so that was that was kind of scary. But that was that was weird because it it was bad thing, but it wasn't really scary because there was so like so many other emotions going into it, you know. So
1: was there ever a time in your teens when you felt completely calm or safe or at bliss?
2: Yeah. Plenty of times like, uh, uh, hanging out with good friends and I I had a really good network growing up. So unfortunately, like, I I know Stephen King had a really good relationship with his brothers and his mom, but like, I don't have anything dramatic, uh, in my, in my youth or anything like that. I had really good friends, um, who have, and I've had a really good, uh, support system since then. So like, I've, I've had a lot of times when I was a teenager feeling calm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It, I just realized I while I was writing, I wanted to ask you mentioned a second ago about, you know, getting beat up and there there were some emotional connections or or something wrapped up in there. It, was there something there that you felt comfortable talking about or no?
2: Uh I, I don't want to really go into it, but it is kind of funny. Um so I pretty much lost all my front teeth. Oh. And okay. then uh I I spent the night in the hospital and it was all over a calculator. Jesus. Yeah, it was it was something really dumb. Like I said, like a twelve year old, their brain is more rational a lot of times than a, a teenager's. It was my dad's calculator and I felt like I felt like I was allowing my dad to be disrespected by someone stealing his calculator. And it was it was another teenager, so hmm. it was really really dumb looking back on it. Teenage boys like a lot of a lot of hormones going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Sounds
1: like one of those uh life lessons where it's like almost I got lucky because it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. 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 Which is uh it, I'm at least glad that it didn't turn out worse. There's, yeah. there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. Um in your teens you mentioned hanging out with friends. Were any of your act and actually I forgot to ask about this earlier. Um you're so going let me flip this around a little going back to the childhood section, you said that your father watched Frankenstein meets Wolfman with you. Was anybody in your family fans of horror?
2: Yes. So my dad would watch horror movies with my, uh, my cousin and my, uh, foster sister. And I, I recently talked to my foster sister and she's like, you know, and it's weird to think of horror as like a calming thing, but she's like, I remember watching those scary movies with your dad and, uh, it was community you know like we were both watching Mm -hmm. something and and then like as as writers and as fiction people like we talk about you don't want people to think you want people to feel and so like Mm -hmm. with horror that was like a community because obviously like i said like john cropper put a lot of thought into halloween but like they were feeling all those emotions like all that suspense and uh it was, it was fun. And she's like, I I remember watching that with your, with your dad. And that was, that was a good memory, which is, like I said, it's funny, but I mean, the title of your show is horror makes us happy. So I think it's appropriate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very appropriate. Moving into adult years. What are some of the, uh, standouts in your adult years that have impacted you?
2: So I, I've, uh, been in the military since I was, since I was 23. I do not have a combat deployment, but I've got, uh, I was an airborne unit, so I've got like thirty three jumps. so that's that's obviously really scary jumping out of an airplane, but you have to learn to respect it. And that's what I think is cool about horror is like you're scared, but you like have this respect, you know what I you know what I mean? So like it's you're like, man, i I know this scares me. and then like not even you do it self consciously or uh, or like subconsciously you're like okay i can I can watch Halloween or I can do this but I know I'm not going to want to walk out in the woods by myself or something like that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And of yeah, course, it's you,
0: Safe, contained scary.
2: Yeah. But that's, that was practical in some ways because uh, when you're in an airborne unit, what you'll notice is if you think about jumping the entire day, the entire day uh, that you have a jump, you're going to be exhausted and you're going to be stressed out. But eventually you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to be stressed out. Once they, they open the aircraft and I can hear that giant sucking sound, or you're going to be able to, can you're going to break down the fear to like, I'm going to be scared for 10 minutes. And, and really, and you can do that. And, uh, I think by, and like, there's been other stories or other studies, like on horror, like some of the benefits of horror is something like that where it's like, okay, I can, I know how to contain my fear or I know how to use it in certain ways. therapeutic almost yeah yeah
1: that is an interesting topic i'm gonna hold on to that for a minute let me let me think about that for a minute uh talking about media though uh in terms of books or movies or stories has there any been any media that has jumped out to you
2: i didn't get into i did watch. oh you know what that's something that i forgot as a as a kid Uh, i saw the movie dagon Ah. i saw that when i was like 18 or 19 and mm-hmm. that one like freaked me out. And that mm-hmm. introduced me to that. Uh, that is a trope or a uh, w- archetype. It's like the the town with a secret. And oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. And I, I try to explore that a little bit in the Dark Lord of Oklahoma where the my dark lord he has that cult gets built up and the whole town like worships him, basically and that is straight Mm -hmm. from hb lovecraft and the great thing about hb lovecraft is he's public domain so like you as a writer you can use cthulhu you can use all this other stuff now i i try not to do that because uh while you can use that stuff there's uh, i've heard comedians talk about like uh, a creativity problem it's like you don't want to get you don't you don't want to be called a hack, but yeah. but H.P. Lovecraft has like uh, very very much influenced me. Uh, it, like he writes in uh, first person narrative, he's got kind of that an investigation on each of them, and that's that's really cool. And then like everybody else, I really like Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman trilogy, and mm. that that stuff has probably uh, subconsciously influenced my writing uh, more than I realize. And then I'm a big Zack Snyder fan and then in terms of media like you you kind of need to research a little bit of everything and this will almost sound off topic but not really because he has done a uh, horror with the terminator uh arnold schwarzenegger he talked a lot about marketing hmm. and, and that's actually one of his rules in his his recent book but like uh so he was a championship bodybuilder but at the time when he was a bodybuilder people thought that was really weird so he's like hey um he had actually had an internship in marketing and he's like i've got to go out and i've got to i've got to sell bodybuilding otherwise people were going to be beating us up all the time and so he goes out and does that so those are like those are the concepts in terms of marketing and things like that but i'd say hb lovecraft uh has has it probably influenced me quite a bit as an adult. Um and mm-hmm. then um when you explore or you kind of analyze, I, I realized like I really like Epistolary style horror. Mm-hmm. I man, I love Epistolary. So uh Max Brooks, uh World War Z, and then have you guys read Devolution? Evolution? No. Oh, it is it is so good. World War Z is obviously really cool, but Max Brooks's de evolution is it's really interesting and it's also really scary. Uh it's about uh Bigfoot and it's uh, a lost journal, uh, and then it has like all these other uh mixed media in it and it, it's it's really good. Uh so he kinda Max Brooks kinda opened my eyes on what an epistolary style story would look like in modern day. So uh, I, I I threw a lot of stuff out there. But. <laughs> yeah. I am yeah, I'm seeing- curious
0: I uh, when you said epistolary I was thinking like abyssal like like some of the other worldly stories that uh, Lovecraft does but what is epistolary if you could expand on that
2: uh, okay so uh, epistolary that comes from the word epistle meaning letter oh, and okay. what's funny is like all the all the famous uh, horror novels are epistolary Frankenstein is about I forgot the first character's name but it's about a crew of people going up the arctic and then they stumble so he's writing letters back to his family like hey we're gonna do this and then he finds victor frankenstein and he starts rewriting everything that he did
1: basically it's a literary version of found footage yeah <laughs> it kind
2: of is yeah yeah okay L- well and lovecraft kind of does that like at the end of his story <laughs> like they're coming! They're coming! And then, uh, like, someone dies mid sentence of writing.
0: Like, mm-hmm. I, I, the castle. Ah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you so have I, a Do you have a favorite uh, costume as an adult for Halloween? Or are you even participating as an adult?
2: Oh, okay. Um, no, not really. Uh, but <laughs> all right. So I I did uh, cosplay one time at a comic con, and. Uh, if you, you see my Instagram, I, I'm about six feet tall and I have blonde hair and blue eyes. So I dressed up as Aquaman hmm. for a Comic-Con out in uh, New Orleans. And okay. no, no, it was Georg- Georgia. So that, I did Comic-Con there and like people went crazy for it. And it was just really simple. I had an orange Under Armour uh, shirt, un- green Under Armour pants, had some uh, boots that I spray painted green the same color as my my uh, pants, and then I took a uh, dark night utility belt and okay. I had some green gloves and people went crazy for it and it was just <laughs> really simple and uh yeah so that was that was my favorite one and like yeah so that that was a lot of fun i I'm not sure if I still have pictures of that or not, but that was uh my my favorite one
1: It's kind of funny I was expecting you to go to something like master chief. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like halo or something uh how about a least favorite costume as an adult
2: it, it wasn't as effective but i'm, I'm a big dc fan mm-hmm. um and uh my wife and i went as uh specifically uh lois lane and clark kent mm-hmm. and okay. so i had a, a suit tie on and i wore a superman shirt underneath and mm-hmm. i i wore glasses and because i have blonde hair i wore a wig and so Mm. i thought the wig was kind of silly but i Mm. still had fun with it so that i would say the wig was my least favorite part okay and so Mm. you
1: said the wig i was gonna say make a joke about the the connection being uh dressing up in suits yeah some throwback to your childhood there uh do you have any scary dreams or repeating dreams as an adult
2: okay so uh, i've worked in law enforcement and i've actually learned something is bad dreams are and and this will kind of go back into like some of the good things about horror is is bad dreams and law enforcement are actually a good thing because it means you're thinking through problems so like i've i've had multiple multiple dreams like where scenarios where something goes really south Mm -hmm. uh so i've had those dreams but What's funny about all that is, I still have Jeepers Creepers and Brundle Fly <laughs> Like even an adult, like it. Yeah, it like
0: a combination of the two. Like something goes bad at work, and,
2: and Brundle Fly turns into it a all. <laughs> No, yeah. but that, man, that would be a really good. That'd be a really good story. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's kind of the story of Tusk with uh, Kevin well, Smith.
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have, have you ever been actually terrified of something in real life as an adult?
2: last week i stepped over a a rattlesnake oh nice cool yeah so there's that and then um i get really creeped out by like people that are narcissistic Mm -hmm. and i that's so rattlesnakes and narcissistic people uh where you just like they make you feel uncomfortable because like the other thing uh that really helps out with law enforcement and with writing is you can uh if you If you know about your gut and like all the things that your gut does. So like your gut is, I I can't remember all the technical things, but that gut feeling is actually part of your brain. But when you use your gut, it actually, your stomach is actually tightening because of a signal. And Like someone smarter than me could explain that or. Instincts. Yeah. And so you've got that. And then like, you've got like the micro hairs on the back of your neck and like, you should always listen to that. So, but then when you're writing, you're always said, show, don't tell. And so like, as soon as I saw him, the micro hairs on the back of my, my neck stood on end, like you should explore that as a writer. And then like, like my wife, I'm like, Hey, if you go out and something feels weird, but a lot of women are in touch with that like women probably understand the gut more instinctively than guys do like sometimes and there there's like a lot of theories on that but uh yeah so like thinking about the gut and like how to articulate that and and Edgar Allan Poe kind of talks about it in in one of his short stories is like people will try to rationalize yes and then what was that uh, what was that movie with Justin Long barbarian Uh, It's a Justin Long horror movie, which he's, he's,
0: he's been in a few deeper creepers. Of course. Uh, was it the one with the, with the witches, the, the house where he was like a house guest and they started coming on to him and turned out they wanted to kill him.
2: Um, Oh, it was barbarian. Okay. Have you guys seen that one? Saw the end of it,
1: but yeah, he does a lot of justification at, at the end of that one.
2: Yeah, he does. And like, and that one, there's a lot of good things about that, but, uh, the, uh, The writer and director, he actually read a book that a lot of law enforcement are told to read. Uh, It's called The Gift of Fear. No shit. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. And so what is really cool about that story is... And like I said, like horror is really interesting because you can actually learn a lot of stuff from horror, you know. Like, like I remember I was I was joking with someone's like I had I did have good driver's ed coaches, but I don't think anything has taught me to respect the road the way Pet Cemetery did, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah, like
0: very true. Oh yeah. man,
2: that way. That, hey, did you know that from what I read, Stephen King, when he wrote that that story deserved him so much that he didn't finish it for a year? Huh, I believe. Yeah. That. Which like I I've never like you you'll hear authors joke about that is like man I I kind of freaked myself out but mm-hmm. I've never freaked myself out as much as Stephen King probably did writing Pet Cemetery.
1: Mm. Uh, flipping that question around, was there ever a time in your adult life when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss?
2: Yes, so uh, I actually kind of explore that in some of my my books. Is uh, there's the vinyasa style breathing, and you'll I have probably written vinyasa style breathing in every single one of my books. Um but and that and I've got a, a good relationship with my wife and my wife like really uh can calm me down. Uh so I've had plenty of times when I've felt uh bliss as an adult.
0: Okay. Is that just like circular breathing or
2: so I've been taught two different techniques and uh one was uh belly breathing and it's mm. where like okay. you're Uh, your stomach exhales but that one was kind of technical and complicated for me and then at another academy one of the firearms instructors took me to the side and was like hey here do it this way he's like breathe in for four hold for four Mm -hmm. and exhale for four yeah and he called that combat breathing i can't remember who came up with that idea but that uh that's something that and i've tried to teach my my kids that of course they're Uh, a little bit too young for that but Mm -hmm. yeah the combat breathing that's supposed to like really if you can control your breathing it's like a micro meditation yeah you you know one thing that i always think is funny and like as authors like you learn like dialogue is is really not supposed to like people use the term authentic dialogue and people Mm -hmm. want authentic dialogue which authentic to me just means that it ties into your genre and to the characters that you've created but like mm. people do not want realistic dialogue
0: no no they do not i was thinking about this just the other day like authentic dialogue is clunky and interruptive and it's it's fast and yeah literature and cinema dialogue is paced it has prose you know you can follow it whereas yeah, like I was tell- telling Steve at the very beginning of this call, I was at uh, a potluck with a bunch of friends the other night, and there were six adults having two conversations and all their children in the background doing the scream cacophony. So it's like, yeah. yeah, real life dialogue is like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you want every character to have like their own incentives. Mm-hmm. And I think when I talk with my kids, when I'm talking with my kids and my wife, like I'll be talking about something and they'll be talking about something completely different. And you have to like connect the dots. And I think mm-hmm. that's like really good for writing, yeah. but like actually realistic dialogue. Like if someone gets in into an argument, they don't make intelligent points and no.
0: at all. It's sick with almost.
2: Yeah. And, and that's, uh, and then I was taught by a guy named Dr. Jentz. And he he had a PhD in psychology, he said that when you get really excited and your beats per minute of your heart go up, that your brain can't function. And uh, it's called the OODA loop. And your brain just gets stuck yeah. in that. So I, I was like, if if someone really gets into an argument, they wouldn't be like, you can't handle the truth. They would say something like long-term care insurance is better than cryptocurrency or something, <laughs> something ridiculous or they've had it on their mind and they've just been thinking through it like multiple times.
0: Filibuster.
2: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I said,
0: filibuster.
1: <laughs> so the next two questions we may have already kind of touched on. Uh, yeah. And I think you already answered. Them, huh? Yeah. Normally the next question is what movie have you watched more times than any other? And this is not just horror, but any movie. You mentioned that you had watched the fly and, uh, what was the other one? Cheapers creepers, uh, Mm -hmm. once a year, every year. Is there any other movie even outside of horror that you watch more often?
2: Yes. I would say probably the movie that I've watched the most in my entire life is a Western and that's true grit with John Wayne. Hmm. Okay. I have seen it and I've read the book, uh, three, three to five times. And when I was like 11 years old, I, I had a lot of the dialogue memorized. Hmm? yeah and it's like that's just kind of funny yeah. so i've watched that one multiple times what do you like about it first off i'm from oklahoma and so that whole thing is uh set in oklahoma hmm. and then um there's a lot of interesting stuff about oklahoma and that's like i'd almost say that's like oklahoma mythology in some ways because you've got and i had family that are from arkansas and uh Maddie Ross is from Darnell near Yar, uh, Yale County. Uh, it, my family was further west than that. But so there's that. Then it ties into uh, Isaac Parker, the hanging judge. And I had done some research on him. And then the uh, the federal marshals uh, in Oklahoma. There's this uh, non-fiction book called the Okla Hombres. And it's spelled O-K-L-A-H-O-M-B-R-E-S. And right. uh, mm. yeah. Mm. And so it's about, which I think that's really interesting. Cause it kind of explores like how culturally like places like Oklahoma, Texas, we're, we're tied to uh, like the Spanish language and, and Mexico too. Uh, so there's yeah. like interesting bits of that. And then um, everyone's recovering from the civil war at that time. So you have that. And then you have like the, the best scene ever. Like, I think, like, The Ride of the Rohirrim from Lord of the Rings and Rooster Cogburn taking on all of Ned Pepper's gang. Hmm. All of them on horseback. Both scenes on horseback. Like, those are, like, two of my favorite scenes ever. So, True Grit. And then I've watched Lord of the Rings uh, multiple times. The first Rocky, I've watched that multiple times. Batman versus Superman. Do you mm-hmm. see
1: any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, cult, metaphysical?
2: Oh, man. Um I I really like cults and like I was joking with someone is like, I have a friend that I in college that recently, uh, emailed me. was like, Hey, why don't we all go on a, uh, why don't we all go like on a camping trip? And like, that's like a common trope for a lot of horror. (laughs) It's like, uh, friends that haven't seen each other in years or a long lost Mm -hmm. relative. Like, Hey, come over to my house. It's like, Oh man. and like, yeah, of course I'm going to come, but just know that, uh, like, as a horror author, like, this this is kind of ominous. Mm.
0: No, no, it's going to be great, guys. We're going to get in touch with Wilderness. And by the way, I want this to be authentic, so everyone leave your cell phones at home.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and still, I, I, I think Slasher's uh, really interesting because it's so simple. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm jealous of that because I can't really write simple. And then uh, Anything Lovecraftian and, like, Dagon. Like, that one really spooked me. And, like, that one made me sick to my stomach the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And so, I peeled that guy's face off. Oh, man, there was a lot of gross parts in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. So this would be the part of the call
1: where we would talk about, you know, identifying common themes that keep coming up and maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, in your case, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you think there's uh, either I'm off, off the mark or if you think there's something in addition to what I'm about to say, feel free to add that. But the three sort of things that I hear coming up multiple times have to do with um, power and control and maybe heroism. Um, You know, there's a lot of common themes about, you know, superheroes and Mm -hmm. Kaiju unstoppable antagonists, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if put towards evil would be evil, but then there's also things like, you know, heroism with the true grit and the superhero stuff. Yeah. Even Godzilla, and, and I think at least one movie, you know, is kind of like on the side of good type of thing. So it, it's yeah, basically more of, yeah, it's, it's basically more about, um, I don't know if I'll use the word hero worship, but that's the first phrase that comes to mind. Do you think that's accurate in terms of what it is that you get out of horror, or do you think there's something else or something in addition to what that, what I just said?
2: uh no i i think you're right and one thing like going back to uh i said i, I really like the uh christopher nolan batmans and he nails the bad guys and what's funny is uh if you if you li- heard about how they made those they're like hey we're gonna focus on batman because uh the other batman movies have been more focused on the bad guys mm. and the dark knight trilogy does focus on batman but the bad guys are excellent. Like you've got Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have the Joker, which is an anarchist, which mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. there's like, and all these people are attracted to him. And then you have Bane, the anti Batman, and he's really cool. But by raising upping the ante of the bad guys, Batman looks so much cooler because mm-hmm. he's got to figure out all that stuff.
1: So having cor- sort of zeroed in on this, any idea why it is that you like this stuff?
2: I I don't know. <laughs> Always been attracted to action type stuff. Like I, I played football, uh, played football, joined the army. Uh, but like at the same time, like I've never wanted to be a bully. You know what I mean? And that's that's mm-hmm. what I I think is cool about superheroes is like like you'll hear a lot of in in military and law enforcement like not everyone is good with the public. Mm. Uh, um I'll, I'll just say that. Uh but like what I, I think is cool about like Superman is like you'll see him take on dark side and then he's really good with the public too. Mm. Yeah. Like in that uh now I haven't watched the series but that uh uh Superman and Lois I, I I I can't even remember his name but um he's talking to some kid and he's like yeah the kid's like hey I like your uh, your suit and he's like yeah my mom made it. And then he pays <laughs> off And like, I think that's so cool (laughs) is like to be the superhero that can go fight dark side and then turn around. Um, but having said that John Wayne's character, true grit is, is not that hero, but for some reason (laughs) I have, but you know what, like Rooster Cogburn, he was, he was very kind to Matty Ross in his own sort of way. And then like, you don't pick up on it till you're older, but like he was completely keeping the Texas Ranger away from Matty Ross. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you watch it as a kid, you just think he's making fun of him, but he's like making sure that like an inappropriate relationship with a minor does not happen, mm. you know? Mm. So like you could kind of say that Rooster Cogburn is like a traditional good guy in that way, but mm. yeah. in every other way he is not, he's, he's mm. kind of an anti-hero, but he made sure that, uh, uh Matty Ross was taken care of.
1: Mm. Okay. Makes sense. So now, having peeled back one more layer, the next question is: Why horror? Because couldn't you explore these things in other genres?
2: Yeah, and i I would consider my books urban fantasy, mm-hmm. and clearly, the answer is yes. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I think horror is really cool because you can explore a lot of stuff, and then horror you can jump from different uh, subgenres inside of horror, and it doesn't really upset the audience like for instance the halloween franchise you have the first one that's a hundred percent set in reality you know like mm. that one could happen then the second one uh that continues on that and the third one goes a little bit of a different direction yeah yeah and I, I still have never watched the third one but i've heard like a lot of people talk about it it's good yeah the
0: kid's face explodes into snakes
2: oh really <laughs> i i've heard the making of stuff about it and i i've i've heard some really and like the other thing they said is the bad guy in the third one is like way worse than uh michael myers mm. kind of yeah because it's more nefarious it's like an illuminati kind of thing yeah they
0: they tried to go a different direction with three and make it more of an anthology thing and there was going to be no more michael myers but uh the public said no
2: yeah and it's funny because like Uh, Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Uh, Yeah. And then you saw the same thing with uh, Friday the 13th with uh, part five, the new beginning. Mm -hmm. They're like, Hey, we're having someone else. Like we're having a murder mystery and everyone's and no one liked it.
1: Nobody had it. Nope. Yeah. Going back to the, the conversation about auteurism versus emotional reaction. It's I'm kind of surprised because it seems like a lot of the answers that you're giving for this part of it have to do with the auteur side of things. And I kind of thought I was thinking that you might go towards the emotional connection to horror. So I'm wondering, there are some people that we've interviewed who would just say, "I am just a horror fan, and that's that." But then there are other people who have said, "I'm I love I'm not just a horror fan. I do love horror, but I am a fan of X, Y, Z in addition to horror. Whether it's..." Um, action or adventure or film noir or uh hero stories and things like that and so i'm wondering is that the case for you or do you, would you say you are a fan of this larger thing that horror is just a part of and so and that's why you're saying just it's now a choice for me to uh be an auteur in this particular genre as opposed to that other one or do you, you know what i'm saying
2: yeah um yeah i i would i would say that uh and horror is, like, a really good place to, like, uh, start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, yeah. and I don't mean that, like, stepping up and going into different genres. Like, you have to respect horror for what it is. Because I, I think, like, people can read uh, Insincerity really quick. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Godzilla 1988, uh, 1998, the American version. Hello,
0: yeah. And the one Matthew Rudder? Yeah.
2: So, like, I the writer directors, I think they wanted nothing to do with the original Godzilla. And that's where they went wrong. Yes. And so like, and people can pick up on it. Like that's insincere, you know? So like you have to be sincere to whatever you're doing. Right. And like I said, I I think I'm more, I would, I would call my stuff more urban fantasy, even the, the Kaiju type stuff that I do, but like very strong horror elements. Mm -hmm. Um, and like one thing that horror has really taught me, is you have to have that initial hook Mm. because like I tried to, one time I tried to uh, with call Lake, I really like a piss Larry and I tried to start like with uh, to my dear friend, blah, blah, blah. Here's a record of the events, the way uh, Mm -hmm. Bram Stoker wrote uh, Dracula, not word for word, but like the same style. And then my publisher, like he saved my, my bacon because he said, Hey man, you, you got to redo this. It's like, we need to, we have to have that initial hook. And like, that's what horror teaches you is like, you have to have like, okay, this is promising your audience this, uh, you can see the style here. There's going to be surprises and things like that, but you've got to promise the, the prem uh, the promise of the premise basically. And like, I think mm. slashers teach that, uh, more than anything. How so? Uh, well, because uh, well, I, I, I think probably the, the one that does it the best would be Indiana Jones, um, with the initial one. Cause like you get to, uh, you get to see what type of character is, he is. You get to see like, he's weighing out how much an idol is worth, uh, in his hand. He miscalculates, which that shows that like, he's maybe a little bit too cynical about, uh, the supernatural, even that's, even though that's what he studies. And then you get to see him be creative and active in his uh, way out of there. So you you get the that is uh, Brandon Sanderson because I've watched a lot of his stuff. He calls that the promise of the premise, and then he fails in the end. And like there's a lot of like making your characters fail makes them more relatable and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, that's great, but um, there's this um, save the cat it's a a book on writing. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing that they pointed out is like, as soon as movies came around uh, novelists, like we have to compete with movies. So like you need to be, you need to be studying other things and studying movies as well. Uh, because there's a lot you can teach and like, I can't be boring as a writer. I've got to keep that, that pace going. And I, I like the pacing I learned was from uh, uh, the fly. Uh, with David Cronenberg, where it's like boom, 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 uh, one scene after another, and each scene ties into the next scene. Although some people that have read my stuff would not agree with that, but like I, all mm. my scenes do kind of tie one. It goes one, two, three, just with multiple characters. Mm. I, 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 I think I threw a lot at you uh, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like horror films like the initial hook. If you want to learn about promise of the premise and that initial hook that you got to get your reader in, like. I think like 80s horror is probably the the best way to do that.
1: Mm. It's kind of funny because uh, the last question here that we always ask is: Is there anything else that you've thought of that might be relevant but hasn't come up on the call? And <laughs> you kind of kind of already just went into that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe was there anything that you uh, you thought of earlier in the call, and then the conversation took a left turn and didn't didn't get a chance to say?
2: N- no. Okay. I, you guys have done a good job of keeping me on track. Like
0: I can, <laughs> I can get all
2: over the place, and like my <laughs> my books like have a lot of different elements in it. So like you can kind of see that. Sounds like it. Yeah. Mm. So. Um,
1: and what was the name of the one that you're going to be? Methgator. Yeah. Thank you, Methgator.
2: Yeah, Methgator is out right now. So cool. you can um, cool. get it on Amazon, and it's only ninety nine cents uh, on the e Kindle or nine ninety nine paperback, and the paperback is is beautiful the the creator that put the so i had a really good cover and then the uh, primal publishing they actually formatted the book and they did an amazing job so nice. it, it looks really good it's a nice cover we'll put, put like together the...
1: a, a bio page for you and we'll link to uh whatever you want us to link to we'll get that, that information from you offline and put it together okay so thank you to you and thank you to anybody out there listening please do come visit us at horror makes us you can check out ethan's bio the links uh you can purchase merch from him him and or us uh support us on patreon all that kind of fun stuff uh and if you can't do that then just tell a friend